start at the beginning. Okay. You want to tell everyone what your name is? Oh, hey, my name's Random. That's by birth. Random Cushing, yeah. I'm uh, named after a chaos prince. Say it. What's the story of your name? I'm named after a character from the royal family of a series of fantasy novels who eventually is crowned the king of chaos, and he's not the main character. But he's the king of chaos? Yeah, eventually he's chosen as the <laughs> best one. But he starts out as kind of like the laziest and worst. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm working on it. Great. <laughs> Definitely true so far. Um, on, you're working on being the laziest and the worst? No, I think ascending from that. Good. But yeah. I think you're doing all right. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to start with how we met. And it was when I was on tour last year, so 2017. And I stopped in New Orleans to make some cash so I could get home. And I was walking through like the French Quarter and just like trying to like scope out the, the, the different tarot readers. And then I saw you like set up with your typewriter because you do street poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I write poetry with a typewriter on the street. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, that guy looks like a vampire. I need, <laughs> that's who I need to align myself with. And then I came up and talked to you, but you, I guess, saw me too, and you were like, she's going to come talk to me. Yeah, I could just tell. Mm-hmm. I just feel it. My vampire senses were <laughs> picking it up. <laughs> you were dark enough. Yeah, right. It was that like that dark magnet, magnetism, mm-hmm. magneticism. Yeah, it must have been. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you totally took me under your wing and showed me the ropes, and I definitely appreciate you and that. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I, I mean, you know, I never did tarot cards out there, but I could show you like where to be. Mm-hmm. And then you you did good after after you figured out like the basic setup. Yeah, you did pretty well. Yeah, you you, <laughs> you groomed me in the, in like five days. Yeah, it's feng shui, man. Mm-hmm. Feng shui, yeah, yeah. It was fun. We got to work together. We got to you wrote poems for drunk people. Mm-hmm. I talked to women about their love lives. Yeah, no, that was good. I I don't know if I really worked with any other. Some people have sold art by me before, but never like really intentionally. I think that was the only time I've paired up with another type of artist to work on the street okay that's cool yeah it's a fun little subculture it's fucking nola is vegas for witches yeah yeah i always told people that after you told me that (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad it's spreading Mm -hmm. um so then we hung out again i knew like when when i left i was like i don't know when i'm gonna see random again but i know i'm gonna fucking see random again and then you came to visit la to do a fucking rap battle which i Mm -hmm. had no idea I never told you that. No, I didn't know. Uh, I don't always <laughs> talk to people about that because it's kind of obscure. You're just, well, yeah, I, mean, I, I guess. To explain it. Right. Yeah. yeah um, I did a battle here in, was that April or March or something like that? I, I mean, think, I think it was April. Who knows how time works? Yeah. Some time ago, I flew out here and yeah, I uh, battled this guy from farther north in California in kind of like a boutique-like studio format with a really good cinematographer, uh, Kyle Gray, who he just makes stuff look amazing. He has such a good sense of like visual cool. So he's like a tastemaker within that culture. And he does his own project called Ruin Your Day. 
and I went and did it for that. Yeah, I watched it. It was fucking, I was like, yeah, I was so excited yep. to cheer you on. And you were Thanks, so smart. Man. You were so smart with your lyrics. So good job. Nice. Thanks, mom. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Random versus mad flex. It's pretty, it's interesting. I try to do it in like a accessible way because it's an obscure little culture. What made you decide to start doing rap battles? Um, I learned how to freestyle when I was like 10 or something. And me and these kids at school would just rap and like battle a little bit. And that was my favorite part. I really liked the battling thing and being like impressive and people, the response that you get from it is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I always kind of, I always kind of like did that um, throughout since I was a kid. And then when I was in my late teenage years or like early 20s or something, I started finding like tournaments where I could freestyle battle people. Uh, and that was super fun. And then... I, in like 2012, I went on YouTube and started looking up battles that mm -hmm. like people had recorded and done. And it was insane. Like some of the talent that was in that. And then I like followed it, uh, followed the course of its history and found out that it was still going on and had completely changed. And it's a, like an acapella performance art. And so I was just like, I can do this. I mm -hmm. think, yeah. And then I'd worked on it for a few years. I've done nine battles since 2015 and been able to develop my like ability and style within that format because now it has its particular context of performance style so it's really fun it's a it's a cool art because like it's similar to comedy in the way of like the crowd interaction and like right. how you kind of control the space but what's interesting is that you can only do it once like you write for a month or whatever or like a couple weeks for this performance that you're frowned upon if you ever repeat any of it. Yeah. yeah basically. Yeah. So it has this like one shot. Finality to, to every. Yeah. That's cool. Nice. Um, so then you came back, you, t you messaged me maybe like a month or so ago and you were like, Oh, I'm going to be in LA. Let's hang out. And we decided to go, um, like couple, like couple hours North to big bear Lake. And we did mushrooms. Mm -hmm. We did mushrooms. Yep. It was fun. Yeah, it was a good one. Went camping, did mushrooms. Um, <clears throat> so what was like, okay, so how was, <laughs> we had like a lot, like we had like a lot of really belly laughs, like really large belly laughs by the fire. But like what was, so what, what it was your experience like, or what is your experience like with psychedelics? Hmm. Well, yesterday I went, I hadn't done mushrooms in a while, but... It wasn't the most intense trip. There was some visuals and it definitely gave me like the, I don't know, the kind of profound introspective feeling that comes with it sometimes. And I go through that in the beginning part of the trip, like really thinking self-consciously or like analyzing like what I am and why I do things or like why I'm in certain modes, especially if I feel disconnected or like detached from my surroundings. Because I think one of the like ultimate qualities of psychedelics that I really like is feeling very connected to like to what I'm around and yeah. what I'm a part of and sometimes it takes me kind of like a breakthrough period to get to that of like I don't know what it is because it's it's difficult in the moment it doesn't always have words or have like an explanation it can be these vague feelings that are sort of right like impressions angry. yeah and then you just kind of have to sit with those feelings until something makes itself clear mm -hmm. or just moves away but I, it wasn't very heavy. I think I told you I, we were laying there and then you came back from the water by the lake. Yeah. I think I told you that I was going through like introspection. Yeah. Well, because we were both kind of just like laying in the sun, laying on the beach and like meditating. Yeah. And I could like, I swear I could sense like you like getting into some shit 
you know, like I could, I was picking up on it and then I was like, well, I'm going to let him like sort it out and I'm going to go in the water. Cause I just, I fucking love water. It's so healing to me, but it was like, just, <laughs> it was kind of a gross lake. Cause there was like, what, it, what is the, what's the Eurasian water milfoil? Yeah. So it's basically like weeds in the lake yeah. and it makes it all green and yeah, algae like they're kind of scuzzy and like a little rough to yeah. the touch. So wasn't that great? Well, I got in there and I was like, I'm going to make peace with the plants and we're all just going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> like played in the water. The water was nice. But after I like before we came up when I was swimming out, I like swam through the weeds to get out past them to where the lake was. But then there were still weeds and I could just feel them kind of like grabbing my foot as I moved through <sighs> them or like scraping me. And I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to want that feeling <laughs> once I'm tripping. <laughs> I was like petting them. I was like. That's I nice. love you, plant. Yeah, see, you went in. You, like, embraced it. And you're like, oh, you're jagged and ugly, but you're amazing. Pretty much. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Was it, it was a good trip for you. How was the, like, beginning part? It was nice because I was doing, like, my meditation stuff and, like, just, like, going through my chakras and kind of balancing my chakras and playing with colors in my third eye. Hmm. So it was just, like, I mean, it was psychedelic. It was, like, psychedelic meditation time. Sounds like it. You know, I felt like I got to clear out some blockages that I might have been mm-hmm. having. Yeah, I think mushrooms are really good for that, for kind of, I don't know, pushing you toward whatever your personal or like emotional or spiritual discomfort is. Like, I definitely felt that, you know, I have some like personal conflict that I'm considering throughout time. And so being in that and then going into that space of like, I don't know, profundity of self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so you've had you're you're pretty much nomadic. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. And you've done a lot of like acid on your own, like have like you do a lot of hitchhiking, you disappear for months at a time. Yeah, hitchhiking I haven't done a ton of. I did one season of it, which was good. But I do, I've roamed for like forever. Like if people, if I know somebody who's like, oh, I'm going to this place and I don't have something coming up, then I'll just go. I like that. Um, do you have any stories from the road that you want to tell? Hmm, road stories. Yeah, and if you've already told them to me, you can t- you can retell them for the seekers, which is what I call my audience. Yeah, well, they're pretty good. I guess I can talk about like how I got into it. Um, I yeah, I've been dating a street poet uh, since I was in New Orleans, and she had traveled a lot in different ways from me. She'd ridden freight trains and hitchhiked, and so I was just like, that's stuff I want to do. Like, let's do that this summer. So we met up for three weeks and went hitchhiking starting in Springfield, Oregon, which is right, right by Eugene. Um, and yeah, I don't know the, I guess it's that moment we were kind of talking about this last night about the difference between like considering that you're going to be doing something like anticipating doing a thing Mm -hmm. and kind of that sometimes there's that trepidation or like that anxiety that comes with it. Like when we were trying to make dinner, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, like Oh man, we're going to like open this can of beans and then cook it. And then everything worked out great. Once we just like Gun. had to do it and we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So it I was think fucking delicious. We yeah, ate like hobo so Kings. Good. Yeah. Hobo Kings. <laughs> <laughs> First it was Kings and then hobo Kings because there were beans involved and that's pretty, yeah. It's hobo fair. We said it in tandem. We were mm-hmm. like, we're eating like yeah. kings. Yeah, we were synced hobo up kings. at that point. That yeah. was good. And then we laughed maniacally yeah. for like two minutes. Yeah, I haven't cracked up in a while. That was fun. That was so fun. Yeah. So I experienced kind of that that sense of like um, maybe anxiety of not knowing what you're doing kind of, but doing it. 
you know, like ha- just having to do it, having to go. So we just stuck out our thumbs and then got a ride. And then I realized hitchhiking is super easy. You just kind of have to do it. Um, but I cruised around for a while. We did three weeks together uh, going up to the San Juan Islands, which was really interesting. And we did some, I got an offer to work in Bend, Oregon at like an event there. And we were coming back from the San Juan Islands, which is pretty far away. And we hitchhiked the um, Olympic Peninsula of Washington in like two or three days. There's some hot springs out there, which um, I've learned are basically one of the best things to do with your time if you're just vagabonding around. Mm -hmm. So we kind of made for that. But the whole peninsula was under forest fire smoke. And we got the craziest ride that I think either of us ever had um, through this Indian reservation. We got picked up in the back of a pickup truck, which is also like one of the most fun ways. That's like... Those are the most fun rides. Backup pickup trucks are awesome. The first ride I got was the back of a pickup truck. And they just make you feel, I don't know, the like wind in your hair and speed and kind of like freedom sense all culminate. And I felt really great about my life then. But these guys picked us up in a a pickup truck going onto like a, it was a state highway that runs through an Indian reservation. I don't remember which, but these guys just take off with us in the back going like 65 miles an hour down like a winding curving road. And I just felt like I was sitting in the corner, like the back left corner of the truck bed. And I just felt like one bump and I was just going to be vacuumed off the edge. Oh, like skid mark. And they drove like this for like 10 or 15 minutes and then they stop and a guy jumps out and he yelled something to us like that they were dropping us off and we got up to get out and then he jumps back in the car and they like take off again like the exact same thing <laughs> and they go for like another 30 minutes or something and then finally pull over to this road and we get out and we're just like exhilarated and bewildered and these three like native guys jump out like with tall boys and are just like oh that was pretty fun huh oh my gosh <laughs> and dropped us off yeah that Did, was great were you guys standing up when they pulled off the second time uh, I was <laughs> yeah but I was able to I mean you know they don't go from zero to right, 65 but right. they tried so I don't know if they were just messing with us or what. I mean, it was really fun. But also, yeah, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> so that was cool. I think one of the most fun things about hitchhiking is just the, like, roll of the die of who is picking you up or, like, who you meet and why you meet them and just the little seeming coincidences that align our lives. Like, I, uh, I got a ride from, I think, Corvallis. Oregon towards Salem and this older guy picked me up and he it was like a weird time of the day um for the weekdays uh I don't know like four three thirty or something when commuters aren't really working or in transit but he picked me up and he told me that the reason he was on the road then was because his wife had won tickets to a prairie home companion like on the radio mm-hmm. like before and it was that night in portland and so he had to leave work early to drive home to shower and get dressed so thank you prairie home companion for getting me a ride what is prairie home companion oh, it's a npr talk show with i think it was i think garrison keeler retired from it but it was this guy with a great voice who would just tell kind of folksy stories and oh. do skits it was like a variety show okay it was very very popular it's pretty good nice mm-hmm. but that was a good one how long how do you like how do you decide like where like when you have to be somewhere or where you're going to go or what route you're going to take? Hmm. Well, I'm not a very good planner. I sort of like 
for me, it's worked out because people will contact me or I have like some little goals. Like there's a, there's a town that I want to go to in Oregon called Newport because there's a great place to sleep there. And that's, that's important. Like when you're vagabonding, finding good places to sleep is, is essential. So just cause I know about that, I want to go back there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of just wait. I have some like vague objectives and then I'll pick routes of how to get to those places. But usually I try to take state highways. Hitchhiking the interstate is a little bit harder. It's not, it's still doable. It's not impossible. I've hitchhiked it a couple times. Um, but I, I prefer like the smaller highway roads. It's easier to stand on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they're a little more scenic. But I don't know. I kind of just roll with it. I guess this year... I'm going to places that I really liked last year that I wanted to spend more time in, like the San Juan Islands, like Newport, um, or Salem. I liked Salem too. So I, I kind of Salem because it's got the witch name. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. why? I mean, it's got the witch history. Yeah, is it? Does Salem, Oregon? Oh no, I sorry, think I was Salem. thinking. No, it's Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah, but still, maybe there's like a crossover, like an inter. Inter witch program. Oh, there's like there's always like an an interconnected witch program, like the, sure. <laughs> the underground witch connect. Oh, there was another street poet actually in Salem when I went there. I was just gonna work their farmers market. I was on my way to the eclipse, and I was gonna work the farmers market. Um, this was last August or whenever the eclipse was, and mm-hmm. I got out of the truck that drove me there and went into like a paper store because. I don't know. You just have to have things to do sometimes. Right. And I started talking to the ladies that worked there and told them I was a typewriter poet. And they go, oh, we have one of those. And that immediately, of course, piques my interest because it's not like a, as far as I know, it's not like a connected network on right. the internet. I can't just look people up. I mean, if I was a little savvy, I could, I could like scroll through Google and find out where like people Reddit. were doing that. Yeah. You're pretty, you're pretty unplugged though. It's, I've noticed. Yeah. I don't have a smartphone. Um, I just don't like that level of connection. I use my tablet a fair amount, but I can't just take it everywhere with me. Um, but yeah, I went into this town and so these ladies, they were more than happy to tell me whatever they knew about this woman and they didn't know her name, but they looked up some, articles they showed me on the internet like about this woman and there was a name that popped up max marbles which is a great name and he had had a uh, a type in so they'll have people come together and do an event where people will write on typewriters and oh, okay. i've never been to one but they seem cool i mean i love typewriters and so i had this name max marbles and i knew that he was involved with typewriting and then i went to an art supply store i think and bought I don't remember what I bought there, but I, I talked to the lady at the counter again and kind of like mentioned my, what my mission. Cause then at that point you just, it's like a video you're pulling game. out a thread. Yeah. You yeah. Like, you just walk around and there's like all these NPCs in the world that you can just be like, Quest. Hey, like, yeah, tell me uh, what information do you have? And some of them have none and some of them have like threads. So I, she pulled it up again and then she knew, um, Max marbles. I think she had like, she, she was acquainted with him. And so she, sent me off to his, he was a book binder and she sent me off to his Ooh. little like store in the old mill of the town. And so I walk like a few blocks. I got my big, like my backpack, all my gear and some guy with Steve Buscemi eyes just like says hi to me on the street and we start talking and I'm all jazzed and I just am like, Oh, like, by the way, like this is this cool adventure that I'm on and we're having like a good time talking. And I'm just like, yeah, man, you're welcome to like come with me and see what happens. Like, mm-hmm. and he was like, yeah, definitely. So he, 
we just got in his car and like drove over to the mill <laughs> and we walk inside and I'm like, you know, I'm leading this expedition and we walk back there and there's this guy, there's a little workshop with like all kinds of interesting little restoration pieces in there. And there's an old guy with a gray beard and like glasses and gray hair. And he's kind of like Doc from the Seven Dwarves a little bit, a little more wily and like a younger guy in there. And I just walk in and I'm like, are you Max Marbles? And he's like, yeah. And then I just kind of like lay out my thing for him. I'm like, I'm a typewriter poet. And I just, I heard you have a typewriter collection and I'm looking for this town's typewriter poet. And he's like, oh, you mean Jessica, which I think was her name. And then he just jumps on Facebook and like messages her. And then I just hang out. And Max Marbles was a super cool guy. He had, you know, he had hitchhiked and done adventuring when he was younger and he was really jazzed. He loved New Orleans. So we had a lot to talk about with that. And he even runs a, like a podcast or something, called, a radio show called like Zydeco and Blues, which is um, based about New Orleans heavily. And he was great. So we just told stories. And after like an hour and a half, this woman showed up and she was so different from my style. She was very like put together and like mm-hmm. dressed very nicely. And you could tell like was very detail oriented and just like clean. And me, I'm kind of like, you know, a little sweatier. (laughs) (laughs) Like I sit on the ground with my typewriter on the box and like a bandana for like a tablecloth. And she has like, you know, a desk and like dresses and like a sign. and Everything very, very like presentation. Yeah. Killer presentation. But anyway, her and I went out and got dinner and just talked for a while. It was interesting. It was interesting to meet those other people that work in that way because there's, and similar in tarot has its own version, the sort of interaction, but there's this like, there's a connection and revelation that can occur in doing poetry with people when they like really reveal themselves to you. And then you are able to access what they give you and return something to them. That's exactly what a tarot reading is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you understand there's that style, but right. our medium is different. You know, it's like we all yeah. can like achieve certain sensations, but the way that we do it technically is like known differently. Right. Well, yeah, like the delivery is completely different and the objective is as well. Right. Right. So that was great. We had like Korean food and then and then we made plans to work the farmer's market the next day. She hadn't done it in like a while. And I was like, do you want to like come and do this with me just for fun? Because I don't I don't work with other poets as often. And, and she was all, yeah, she was into it. And then I showed up to the farmer's market the next day and she didn't come. Oh, I know yeah. I was really disappointed. It was a good farmer's market that I worked and I had a great time. Um, and then I, I needed to get out to the eclipse um, and I called Max Marbles and asked him to give me a ride out of town because I found out Salem's bus system is like non-existent. Okay. They have a huge bus terminal and no buses. It was baffling. So there was no way for me. Normally I'll like ride a city bus to get to the edge of town and hitchhike, but mm-hmm. it didn't work out. But Max was really, really nice to do that. So I'm hoping I'll go see him again this year. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then you went and did the eclipse. Uh-huh. You've got a good eclipse story. Yeah, my eclipse story was pretty sweet. That was the that was the full um, solar eclipse. Yeah, which was stupendous. I mean, it was amazing. You get a chance to see one. I don't know if I'll ever see anything. I could have my first child, and I still don't know if it'll be as beautiful as that eclipse. It's pretty amazing, and it really it's just a stunning like effect on 
the moon. The human and like, like, organism of like yeah. to witness something so massive and celestial. Yeah, because it makes the sky super crazy. And then yeah. when it's at totality, there's like a brief moment where you can actually look at the moon completely covering the sun and it looks like it's silver and on fire and like yeah. radiant. It's and this you, like shining, it's like wavering quarter. ring. It looks yeah. like a, like silver. Amazing. Brilliant. And you can really see, you can also see the sphere of the moon, like the dimension, like the, the spherical dimension of yeah. the moon becomes really apparent as it passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, um, that was so cool. It gets all cold and all the, yeah, you, you can hear it. sometimes like dogs will bark afterwards, like certain things will happen with the animals. They act kind of strangely surrounding it. Yeah, that I was by a lake and like the animals thought it was time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And it like it looked like it was like a sunset on another planet mm-hmm. that had like a different sort of like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they happen pretty often around the world, but not um, they're not always accessible. Right. Or they're just not in like the US or something. You know, that one was yeah. straight across. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Yeah, especially because it unified the country. We were talking about this, about how like for just like that, like few hours everyone was unified in the fact that like there was something beautiful happening and right. that they, was all that was I on mean, the news everybody like lined up like really like they just yeah. lined, like this swath across the country was lined up with people focused on the same thing kind of like unified in their minds so cool. so then how did you how did yours manifest your eclipse journey yeah. so i got out of um salem and i was waiting on the road there was a guy there was a guy already hitchhiking off the exit that i went to so i walked further up um the highway to like kind of cut in front of him mm-hmm. and i was sitting there for a minute and i don't know if this happens I, it just seems like it happens to me a lot is that people will come to pick me up from behind me so they'll pull way off and then reverse to me so I don't see them like because you know sometimes you can see the guys swerve off a little bit I don't see them and then they'll like honk at me or like skirt like 10 feet away from me or something mm-hmm. so I run over and um I open the door and it's this guy uh who's kind of like meatloaf the musician yeah and he has this <laughs> the sweet, food yeah right he has, like meat wad from aqua team <laughs> no he has this uh he's got like a pretty sweet jeep i don't know what type it was maybe like a cherokee or something but i jump in and he asks me where i'm going and i say detroit lake which was the spot that i'd picked off the map i left like two or three days before the eclipse because i wanted to f- i wanted to go out and find a really like perfect place to view it from and then just camp out and wait. That was kind of my plan. Cause I also was anticipating like a large amount of traffic mm-hmm. within the, the path. Um, so this guy, I tell him Detroit Lake and he just goes, no shit. He's like, I just looked at the map and picked that place off to go to. Aww. So I was like, hell yeah. yeah. So Eric and I teamed up and we we're going and he was really funny. Cause he was all like, he had like a big bag of weed. He's like, I don't smoke weed. It makes me feel sick, but I have this big bag and I just like, um, I use it to trade with people and he like gave me some and at first he was like he was like oh you can't smoke it in here because it just makes me feel sick and after like a minute he was just like oh you can go ahead like, <laughs> it's fine um, but we cruised for a while and he asked me I had gotten uh, a friend of mine's father in San Francisco was is an astronomer and he gave me um, the the glasses he gave me the eclipse glasses two Mm -hmm. pairs of them and so i had two pairs and i was like all right well i'll find somebody to share it with but eric asked me i also didn't i didn't know how far he and i were going to go together but he asked me if i had eclipse glasses Mm -hmm. because he was like looking for a pair and i told him i didn't Mm -hmm. i like decided to lie to him in that moment and because of this as we were driving 
he saw like an old guy selling eclipse glasses, which during that time was super popular. Everybody was like hustling him. And so he pulled totally. and he's like, I'm going to see if this guy will trade me weed for eclipse glasses. So mm-hmm. he pulls over and he asks him and the guy's like, yeah, definitely. Cause you know, they're selling for like five bucks a pair or something. Right. So he gives him the glasses and then we're talking to this guy and he tells us that there's this turnout at a certain point before the town of Detroit Lake that will lead us up into like free camping where we can just post up and we're like, that's perfect. That's like exactly what we're looking for. So we drive and we find that place and we turn off and there's some like camping down by this river, but we're kind of like, you can't see the eclipse from there. So there's these logging roads and Eric's got this great like four by four. So we just take off up into the, um, up into the roads and like whipping all around and we get up quite a ways, but then we change facing on the mountain. So we're starting to get away from like where we thought we might find something. So we turn around we come back down. We're like, okay, we'll just camp here at the bottom. Just before we like leave the logging roads, there's a guy on a recumbent bicycle who hails us. And he asks us if we saw a certain like turnout and campground, like camping clearing up there. And we are like, no. And he's like, well, I've got it right here on Google Earth. And he pulls it out. And we had just missed it. We turned around like just before there was this spur that took us up to a ridge and a clearing that this guy knew about. Mm -hmm. So we're just like, all right. And we turn around and we ride all the way back up there, like romp up these rocks and hills and everything. And then pull into this clearing and there's already like five cars up there or something. And this is maybe two or three days before the eclipse. Mm-hmm. So we just pull in and we grab a kind of camping spot like at the top of the hill and then just sort of go around and check everything out. Um, and there's a bunch of people from Minnesota. Okay. Uh, there were a ton of people that had all come out from Minnesota together and they were camped out and they were, they were cool. They were younger guys and some girls, like a large group that all knew one another. And so the night kind of falls and our friend with the recumbent bike pulls up and he is also named Eric and oh. comes over and camps with me and the other Eric. So yeah. we have this great like little, this is like my crew now. Yeah. Um, but I was being pretty, I was being kind of like periphery within the whole thing, just like hanging out and watching things. Being a boy, eh? Yeah. And so we all hang out for a couple of days and you know, that's a lot of like details and stories and I mostly just smoked spliffs like voraciously from like the beginning of the day to the end of the day. And I would just hang out, like sit around. (laughs) I wouldn't really talk to anybody or say that much about anything. But these kids from Minnesota and people would every day, like more people would come up, like people would come and find the place and like come camp there. So eventually accrued like a large, like we had a big party up there. And these Minnesota kids all had a huge bag of mushrooms and they were just like giving them out. So they yeah. were eating mushrooms all the time and they had these, they were called like goji or something. And you could just eat and eat them and keep like tripping, but never really get too far gone. Uh-huh. So I ate a bunch of, with them the night before and they were hilarious. They just, I don't know, they, these guys had like good bits and just cracked me up. But anyway, the day of the eclipse, um, the night before the eclipse, a like one, the last kind of, campers showed up there was one guy who was running around doing all this like numerological stuff and just like i was telling you about this just like so convincingly like the numbers add up like it's all it's all adding up dude i've been that person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I didn't go like spouting it out to other people but in my mind when i started learning about numerology i i'm still that person it was <laughs> to be it, honest it was numer there was numerology but it was also more expansive like he was sacred just going geometry in, he was going into everything he was just like tying everything all together like it all every like the corinthians and like the greeks oh. or whatever and just like all this stuff and he kept gathering all these people to listen to him but i just didn't know 
what the hell he was talking about. I never knew like what he was just like linking things, but it didn't, it didn't like go anywhere. It connected, but it, there wasn't like a finality to it. Right. It, it is just like, yes, it's, it's all happening. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was so strong. And then about like two in the morning, this car like pulls up and these people just um, jump out and like throw their stuff down and go to bed. And that was kind of like the last of it. And I wake up at like 10 a.m. or something and the clips is at like 11. I felt like I'd overslept because I, I had saved a tab of acid. I wasn't doing as much of it like during the summer, but I had saved one out of like three that I'd had for that day. And so I like immediately took that and went down and just kind of like found a place, got my glasses. I put a bandana over my face and my hat down so I could just stare at the sun without getting like blasted Mm -hmm. um, with the glasses on. And yeah, we watched it and it came and people cheered and it made me tear up and it was great. It was interesting. It made me feel a lot of things and being around, sometimes I feel like I'm watching a, uh, like a alien nature special on earth on like humans and like human behavior. Like when everybody claps at the end of something, I always think that's really interesting. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe you are, maybe you're an alien. I'm, I think I might find out man. Like <laughs> some revelations coming, but yeah, it's stuff like that. So everybody kind of like whooped a little bit or like made noises or like clapped. I don't know. It just like evoked a lot of things in people. Mm-hmm. Um, and afterwards, people wanted to take a group picture together, which I was like, that wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't as much into that. And then the guy that was really excited went around with a clipboard and tried to like get everybody's email addresses. And he was cute, man. He was like a sweet guy. Just, it just wasn't my thing, but he came up to me and he kind of like offered it. And I just kind of like looked at him and we'd already interacted. And he was just kind of like, yeah, (laughs) like, yeah, you you don't want this. Like, nah, thanks. Um, so everybody starts to leave and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fully up on my acid trip now and I grab my typewriter that I had last year and I just sit down in the middle of the dirt and I'm wearing like a Brooks brothers, like button up shirt and like, I'm dressed super nice and like super dirty and I just pull out my typewriter and sit in the very middle of like where everyone was. And I'm just like, anybody who wants a poem can come get a poem. And I really hadn't like interacted or talked all that much to everybody, but everybody came to me for the most part and. I had really profound, like, great interactions with everybody. Because when I do that, you know, I, like, give it, you know, I give as much as I have. Right. Um, And it was great. It just had such a, it had this, like, really sealant effect. And so at the end, I felt really, like, kindred with everybody. And they felt that with me, in spite of our not having really, like, shared many conversations. But just the, the experience. And I think a lot of people just felt connected after going through that together. Right. Well, Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, so, and like, too, like, you'd been observing these people for a few days. So it's kind of like, and you were quietly observing. So you kind of had like, um, like a, an interesting, like, side perspective of like what their personalities were like anyway. Yeah. Did yeah. you apply that, like, to any of the poems? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. I tried to, like, read into it. Um, one of them, I remember one of the guys, I don't remember his name now, but he, he was really, he was a good guy, man. Reminded me of an old friend of mine. But he, uh, he gave me the topic, the power of three. And that had to do, it was sort of like a theme among him and his two friends that were there. They were kind of like the core members of the large Minnesota group that all came together. Trifecta. Yeah. They were really nice guys. And I, you know, when people say stuff like that, especially something that has like a already deep seated meaning for them. Uh And then I kind of have to like feel it out and like guess at like the thing. And they were really happy with it. They liked it a lot. So that worked out great. And one guy wrote me a poem he was so cute. He like 
they did, I don't know. People just turn into little kids and like, totally. they look like little kids to me. I just <laughs> see this. And this one guy got so cute and his girlfriend was like, it's time to go, Brian. He's like, but I wrote random a poem and he came over and wanted to write it on my typewriter, but he, he couldn't like do it. Cause it, it takes a little bit of, of skill just yeah, in like knowing how to hit the keys and stuff. You gotta be kind of, you gotta bang them. And, uh, so I wrote it out for him and it, it embarrassed me a little bit, but it was like a super sweet poem, like really praising me. Um, it was really cute. Do you still have it? I think somewhere. I keep a lot of the poems um, just because they're small. Right. Um, yeah, so that was really nice. And then everybody clears out, and my ride, Eric, is like, I'm leaving. Do you want to go? And I'm like, nah, man, I'm good, because there's just such a rushed feeling, and I know that the highway is going to be crazy with everybody leaving. Mm-hmm. So I decided to stay up there, and the recumbent bicyclist, Eric, who I've actually kind of stayed in touch with and we'll probably see this year, he stayed up there. This guy in an RV stayed up there. And then the two people that pulled in really late the night before returned. And they had gone off and, like, meditated separately and, like, had their own eclipse viewing thing. They yeah. were really interesting. But we're sitting there, and I'm all, I'm all hyped up on, like, emotion and just, like, connectivity. And this, um, the couple, the woman was named Charisma, which was awesome because I, I click with certain people that have, like, name, like, word names. Right. And the- she was a very like physical active archetype like she was dancing around like jumping on things the whole time and the three men besides me started to talk about like i don't know the government or like (laughs) i don't know just like ideas of how the world works or should work and i wanted none of that right so i was just like yo does anybody want to play and charisma's just like yes and then she looks at her partner i can't remember his name now and i believe it started with a j but he she asked him, like, can we use the swords? And she sounds, they had... <laughs> sorry, she sounds like the fool, the archetype, the fool from the tarot. Yeah. Which is like the frolicking, whimsical. That's a good one. Yeah. The fools. I went to a tarot-themed party in New Orleans leading up to Mardi Gras, and that was, the fool was like the theme of it. Oh, nice. And that was really fun. They had a uh, dartboard where you would throw a dart <gasps> blindly to like determine which one you were. And there was a circle. The bullseye was just like a blank circle. And I was like, what's that? And then they had, they, I closed my eyes and threw it and I opened them. It was in the middle. And they're like, you are the fool. And they would give you like a drink to like whichever archetype you were. And they're like, the fool is mushroom tincture. <laughs> I win. Yay. But yeah, charisma definitely could be a fool archetype. But so she gets out these two wooden swords and her and I just had like a 35 minute sword fight, like up on this mountain, just like facing off and like yeah. whacking. She hit me in the head a bunch of times. <laughs> she was way better at like certain things than me. Um, but I was good at stuff too. It was really fun to fight her. And yeah, that was great. That was kind of like the ultimately we stayed up there the rest of the night and I had a really good time talking with Eric as well as spending time with the two of them. And then I went down the mountain the next day and. That was that was the eclipse. Did you hike out or did you get a ride? They gave me a ride. So the, the couple that was up there offered to give me a ride. Mm-hmm. I would have just walked out if they hadn't been there. And they um, they were like, yeah, we'll take you. So they dropped me back off in Salem. And it was just, I was exhausted and it was hard to hitchhike. So I went into Lowe's and got Wi-Fi and just uh, put out a Craigslist ad for Rideshare. Mm-hmm. Gave them my phone number and then I got a ride to uh, Eugene, which was my next destination. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was probably my favorite adventure from last year. Yeah. Mm. Very nice. Um, when you when you're doing like so do you travel with your type you don't type you don't travel with your typewriter all the time, do you? 
Uh, no, not... Well, so right now, I mailed my typewriter up to San Francisco to California Typewriter, which is like a super awesome repair shop. I, it's so cool to go into typewriter stores and like just... I don't know. That's not like a thing. So I get really excited every time I go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have my... I have a 100-year-old typewriter that folds in half and weighs like nine pounds that yeah. I, f- I found while I was hitchhiking last year. And so that I'm going to go pick that up like... Monday or something. I just called them today. Yeah. Uh, so I'll get that, but I don't always take one though. Right. So what do you do? What do you do for money when you're not going with your typewriter? I draw. So I, I've been an illustrator since 2013 is when I started working as an illustrator. Mm-hmm. This is way before I started poetry 2017 last year. So I drew and that's how I did it. I uh, originally moved to Montreal after I finished college because uh, I just didn't really know what to do. And I had $400 and I was like couch surfing. And I just walked around the city all day with a drawing pad going into businesses and cold calling them and just being like, hey, do you guys need art? And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, okay, well, I'm here. Do you want to like see my drawings anyway? So I would like just meet people and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, drawing has been my main thing for quite a while. And what I used to do is just move and rent an apartment and just draw mm-hmm. while I was there. Like I moved to Montana in 2016 and I just drew for like six weeks and just did work. So I kind of keep, I keep both of them going. I've been focusing, I took like a year off from drawing because I was getting really, doing one thing so much, I was getting kind of narrow in my thinking or like uptight it felt like. Mm-hmm. So I needed something like poetry. Some variety. To like break me out. That's how sure. I feel about like my work as an artist. Like I need different mediums to do, you know, I need like, for I need variety and yeah. to mix it up. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think part of my thing with art, with transitioning away from it was just this realization that I was not the thing that I was doing. Like I draw, but I am not, that is not what I am. You know, right. like I'm not exclusively this illustrator or artist. Yeah, I know. I've, I always have such a hard time like answering when people are like, what do you do? I'm like, well. Oh, that's a terrible question. I have to list off like 17 <laughs> things. What do you do? It's got to be like the most, like, you're just trying, you're just like trying to start something. Like, well, it's easy to. Before s- starting it. It's, yeah, but like it's that. easy to pull. I mean, when you, when, when you or I tell someone what we do, I feel like it can keep the conversation going. Yeah. It's just a difficult question because it's like specifically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like top three things. I don't know. Separating identity from like action or creation became important to me. I don't know if, I don't know how much you can actually do that though. So, so like separating identity from action. Well, it's part of it, but it's like you are not the things that you create. Mm. Like at best, they're like fingernails or something. You can cut them off. Kind of. It's like I, the way I always feel about this is that my art is seashells. And it's like the organism, the shell is not alive. And when the organism like dies, it leaves behind this thing. Uh-huh. And so I feel like those are, and they become like an object within geological time that like lasts longer than the biological thing does. Right, like bones. Right, exactly. And so that's how I feel about like my artwork is that there are these physical like objects that I kind of cast off as I go through the world. Mm-hmm. They're like a byproduct of my existence. Yeah. Okay. I mean, 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm like, Fuck. thank you for explaining. I'm not sure if I agree, but I love you. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. That's why it's easy for me to give away all my poems and like not have copies of them because I'm just like pff, seashells. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of easy for me to let go of material. We were burning my old, we were burning like my old jokes mm-hmm. because we needed Tinder for, yeah. was tin, is that what it is? Tinder? That works. For Kindling, the, Kindling Tinder. Yeah. For the fire, which was, which was fun to start, try and start. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're writing poetry on the street, what's your process? Like, what do you, what are like the motions that you go through to s- create a poem for someone? Hmm. Well, I, it's really variable. It depends on the type of person that comes up to me. Cause I can just write, but I really like to kind of like engage the person and make them show me parts of themselves, like their real personality and not just like the, what do you do? Like shit. So I usually, will try to trick them into doing that. They'll give me a topic, right? Some people are way more informative. Some people want to challenge me, just give me like one word. There's all kinds of like types come up for it. Um, but I'll often do like physical games with them. I'll make them, I'll make them like open their eyes really wide and then I'll make them like pull them open wider with their fingers and I'll just look at them and go, hmm. <laughs> or like little things. I'll make people, I have the twirl is one of my favorite things because the twirl shows me like how much people are like are willing to just get into a moment. I'll be like, can you do something for me? And they'll say, yeah. And I'm like, can you just twirl? And then they'll do it. And some people get like really into it and you can see that like showmanship and I'm just like, ooh. Yeah. And then I'll maybe sometimes I'll write, like I'll, <laughs> I'll like score their twirl within the poem. But I kind of, I kind of will create something unique or try to bring what I can out of them that's unique, and mm-hmm. then tie that into the poem in relation to whatever their topic is. And sometimes it's very successful. Sometimes I'm kind of fumbling. If people don't give me, you know, like people come up and be like, "I want like a birthday poem," or something, and they'll give me sort of these like generic and broad subjects, and I don't know these people, so I have to either if I can't like dredge something out of them, or they're not like readily willing to show me who they are, then sometimes I kind of write generic poems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to do good at those. Like I try to switch up the style and things, but the way I always describe it to people, you know, cause I think people have this inclination when they see someone do something that they're impressed by and to like confess that they could never do it. I don't know. People will be like, I could never do that. People say that to me all the time when I tell them I do comedy. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, no, you you could. It's like, you just got to walk up to the road and like put your thumb out. You just got to like do the thing. (laughs) Just do the thing. Yeah. So they they always kind of like act. They, I think people tend to like overpraise my talent within that. Not to make it sound like I'm super lauded, but people just say really nice things after we have these good moments together. And I always, it's a little much, but the way I describe it is that, it's like turning on a faucet. Like, I don't think too much about what I'm going to write because that can be paralytic. Uh-huh. Like, if I'm really... Sometimes if I get a little stoned, sometimes I get self-conscious and, like, really analyze what I'm trying to say. But in general, I just, like, it's open just like, it up and let it go. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. kind of like channeling. It's a lot like freestyling. That's one of the reasons why I was able to do this job from the very beginning is because it just just go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's easier to write poems about strangers or people that you know? I think strangers is probably easier because I think there might be more personal expectation with writing for people that you know. Mm-hmm. Like you want to really achieve something, like really give them something. I've written for people that I know very successfully in the past, but um, I think it's probably a little easier with strangers mm-hmm. in my esteem. I kind of feel like that about 
like giving readings because it's just like if it's someone I'm close to, I'm like I'm worried about like boundaries or like getting too real with them. But if it's someone I know I'm not I don't have that close relationship to, I can just be like, right. huh? Yeah. Like if your mom doesn't like what you're doing, it's worse than if like someone that you don't know doesn't like it. Right. Yeah. And I th- I don't know. I think it's somehow easier to like, I don't know. It's a lot like being a like a therapist in a lot of ways like people come to unload and it's like they're kind of more comfortable with you because they know that they don't have to see you again unless they want to that's very true and if you like just allow people to have that moment too a lot of them are really ready for it to just like let things out or unburden themselves and not always negative things i've had some super heavy shit out there some of them I wasn't able to handle there was one uh like a, a war veteran was like having a really traumatic time around me and like he was kind of going into it like I would he wanted to like open it up and like let the thing out but he was so like embarrassed and emotional about it which was really unfortunate you know and I was just telling him that I was there for him but I like that guy wished I could have I could have like helped him and like really been there for him but it wasn't the right it wasn't the right time for it was, either of us. He like wanted you to give him like a nice poem? He wanted a poem. Well, he wanted a poem, but then he like, he started to go into like the really deep heavy shit. He was like, give me a poem about like Fallujah. And then I didn't know what that meant to him. And so I started to ask him and then he just kind of like went into this really like dark place and then just like started tearing up and like apologizing to me oh, and like shaking my hand and being like, you're a good guy. And then I was like, it's okay, man. And you know, trying to kind of like allow him to have that um, and then he just took off. That was in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. That was one of my last nights working there. There are some, like, you can have some really fucking surreal moments working the streets in New Orleans. Like, su- like such dreamy, starry, weird moments. I read, for, I read for one guy who was like, I know I saw you, like, I saw you in, like, the witch store, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's probably true. But then he was like, but no, I saw you in a dream before I met you. And then he, like we like had this talk and he was like an opiate addict and like I you know I have a history with heroin and I was just like trying to give him advice and then he like stayed in touch with me a little bit online and was always just like sending me these really like um I think about you and like blah blah but it was like sweet it wasn't like creepy it was like like I felt like it was helping him to like have like that connection with me but then he wasn't making any changes to his lifestyle and wasn't taking any of the like advice towards sobriety that I was giving him and then he just kind of like fell off but like I I, like I took him on a little bit like I would I would find myself like worrying about him when like I hadn't Mm. heard from him in a while and it's weird how you can just like make connections with strangers like that yeah I realized in the first year that I had an emotional limit and that became kind of a hard thing because you want to really like give these genuine moments to people but I realized that like I could only give so much at a time. Yeah. Like I, I had some nights when I first started taking acid, I went, I like tapped really deeply into some emotional stuff and wrote a poem and it just like broke me down. I cried super hard and the, it was like for a mom and a daughter and the mom, and they were like older. It was like, she was like thirties and like sixties or something. And the mom came and just like held me while I cried. Aww. And that was like, it was really beautiful, but it was really intense. Like the rest of the time I was at work, I felt on the verge of just like letting this emotionality out. Yeah. So as soon as I got home, I just went in my room and like stripped and just like paced around, like hyperventilating. And then I was, I was fine later, but I, I mean, it was really, it was super like profound, great feeling moment. 
but also just intense. So I realized after that that I could just I just couldn't do that all the time. I couldn't just like give that much every time. Well, especially because you're not really doing it for a set rate. You're working on tips. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's another thing is like, I feel like that shouldn't, that shouldn't matter that much. Like who pays me what for it? You well, know? I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, but sometimes it's different. Yeah. 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 That was a thing. It just changed over time. You know, at first I was kind of, you get kind of wide eyed and you're like, what? I can like do this job and like make money. And then you yeah. get like good at it. And then you realize how much money you can make doing it. And then it sort of starts to change and you have to work to get back to the part where it was magic and fun. And it's always magic and it's always fun, but to really have that be like an essential part of it instead of like, this is my job now. And this is like, I'm like going to work. Taking acid helped me stay in that of being kind of like bewildered by it. Yeah. I mean like what you're like the, the point that you're making about like trying to like maintain that balance between like the like magical aspect of it and then like the business Mm-hmm. point of it and like what you're saying is like it's so parallel to like because reading in new orleans and like linking up with you is what made me realize i could read professionally like i was reading in strip clubs and stuff just like hey like get a reading for 20 bucks like mm-hmm. here are my tits but like um it's a good deal yeah <laughs> it was a, charge more it was well it was a three card reading you know they, oh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. not that for big, sure nbd but um people would like people would in the clubs people sometimes would just like get readings and give me like feed me like false leads and like try and bullshit me to like discredit my belief system, which was dumb. But mm. I had, like what you're saying about like, um, cause reading, yeah, reading in New Orleans was maybe what made me realize I could do it professionally. And then like now it's like I work in a shop and like I have an online business with it and it's just like trying to balance that business aspect and the, you know, mystic, a, you know the mystic connection to it right i think i do a good job though because it's really important work to me but it is something that like you can't let like the business stress of it like yeah yeah i mean i i guess there's like this maybe i maybe this is like this for you i haven't really said this before but maybe there's this uh like the aspect of money and i don't know like all the things that that represents the like establishment behind it and I don't know, the kind of anchor like chain of money in our lives maybe has sort of a contrary feeling or can be contradictory to like the kind of like the sense of magic. But I think also that it's like part of it. That was like why I didn't feel bad about taking people's money after a while or like is because they that was the token like they I would people would trade me other things. I wouldn't always get money for what I was doing. People would give me many things, but mm-hmm. um, they give me something as like a token of exchange because yeah. I think that that ritual is very important. Exchange. Like exchanging. Yeah, because otherwise like people will bleed you dry. Yeah. 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 And it makes them feel something as well. It makes them feel like a value. And I like right. that for ours, it's arbitrary. It's basically like on that person. And so many people, it's a really varying range, man. Yeah. <laughs> gotten paid like dimes before yeah <laughs> yeah i know i had Those like i had some kid come get a reading for me but he was like so hard up he was like can i get a reading like i'll pay you and then like i gave him the reading and he was hard up and not not the most stable person and then he was like oh i don't have any money and i was like i know it's fine <laughs> like yeah. just yeah, free poems take too. the advice yeah I write free poems for some people. For me, I also need to be, in order to like 
pull people in, I have to have social gravity. Like I have to have, I have to have like a presence. And so part of that for me is having fun. So mm-hmm. I will like, I will be like, Hey, like you look really nice. Like, come here, let me write you a poem just to like build up that social energy around me. Right. And like have it look like people are interested. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. I would write a lot of poems cause there's, I mean, New Orleans has tons of street people. Right. Like a lot of people live on the streets there. A lot of people just like work flying signs or doing like street performances of, of all kinds of levels. And there would be a lot of uh, bums out where I would work at night. And so if I did well, I would pay them out. I would, you know, if they were nice to people, the ones that were mean, I would never give anything. But the ones that were nice, I would give like five, ten bucks at the end of the night. And I would write poems for them um, if they wanted them. Mm-hmm. And they always, you know, they always had like these crazy stories behind them. And a lot of them are these deeply emotional people that just like were in these cycles and either couldn't get out of it or like things were gradually changing. Towards the end, this dude, Jermaine, was always hanging out with me and he was in a wheelchair missing one of his legs. And he would just come to me and talk to me about like his daughter who had come back into his life. He'd gone to jail for like, I don't know, he was in jail for like a hot second. And his daughter like grew up without him Shit. and then contacted him out of the blue like when he got out of jail and was like, yo, I need you to be in my life. Mm-hmm. And then he's trying to cope with that because he's out there like getting drunk, like in his wheelchair and like shaking a cup for money and shit like that. But he would come and talk to me and. I've never been in his like experience, but I was able to listen to him and I don't know, give him some things that he felt were really useful, but he would come by me and toward the end, cause he, it is difficult if you're trying to work, if people talk to you for a really long time, right, like, no, especially totally. if you, they're not like, you're not working at that point. So toward the end, I was kind of like, yo, you are more than welcome to come here and like post up with me, but I can't like give you my full attention all the time. And the last night that I saw him, he came and sat with me and he was really feeling down. He was like in a really bad way. He like cried a bit. And, you know, I was, I was just there for him. And this woman came by, an older woman, and she just had this like glow and was like, can I write a poem on your typewriter? And I was just like, of course you can. Which I have like, my main typewriter is like 95 years old and it's gorgeous. And I just like don't, I don't let people use it generally. Mm-hmm. Like unless I know that they know what they're doing, I don't just like let people touch it. Um, it's my like work tool, mm-hmm. but I, I let totally. her do it. And she sat down and she was just so teased to like, or cheese or whatever the eased is for that. <laughs> she was so excited to do it. And she wrote, it was like, she didn't like write that well on the typewriter, but she had it, such a blast. And then she was really happy that I let her do that. And she just like got up and went to Jermaine next to me and was just like, got so close to him and was being really sweet and just telling him that he was beautiful and that she loved him and she was hugging him and putting his arm her arms around him and he was just being really polite and like bashful and saying like yes ma'am to everything she said and she's like yes ma'am oh you're so cute and then she just hugged him so much and then she took off her hat and put it on his head and this whole time I couldn't like tell I couldn't tell like if Jermaine was enjoying this or like how he felt about what was happening, mm-hmm. but I was having a great time like watching this happen right next to me. And Kat was just so, she was so sweet. And then she just takes off into the night. And as soon as she left, Jermaine was just like dumbfounded. And he's like, that woman was an angel. He's like, I've never had anybody just come and like give me love like that or anything. And I was like, that's beautiful, man. And I was like, I love you, Jermaine. He's like, I love you too, man. We like hug each other. And he's like, man, but as soon as she left, I just, like missed her and I just like wish that she'd come back because like I don't have that in my life and I was like yeah yeah and then like five minutes later Kat just blasts back in like all fast she's like you know what I just had to come back here and then she just like starts hugging him all over again oh my god that's so cute (laughs) yeah so Jermaine got his angel 
And then I was like, don't forget about that, man. He's like, I'm going to wear this hat all the time. He was so sweet. Do you think it was an angel? I don't know. That's not my thing. But what I think that she fit what he... I think she fit that for him. Right, And totally. that's like what he needed. So for her to be that archetype works. Yeah. But I don't, I don't really feel that way about things. What? How do you... Because I know that you're like... I don't know. You tap, you're you tapped into something... Like I connect, like I connect with you, even though I haven't really met you or known you for that long. Like there's just like something that makes me connect to you. And it's usually cause like people have like some sort of broader understanding or I don't know. So like what, what, what are you about? Cause I don't really know. Um, what do I do? No, like, no, know, cause you know, like yeah, what do you do? Uh, um, <laughs> hang on, let me drink some water. Yeah, go for it, man. I don't know if I have. I don't know how specifically I can answer this because to be honest, I don't feel like I, I don't even feel like I understand like reality a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but I guess I think that humans are wrong about basically everything. Okay. Like all the time. I mean, it like works foundationally, but I think that our scope is so limited, like our ability to perceive things is very limited on like a grand scale of time and like whatever the universe is and like to access the fabric of it and also being bound by time I think like really demonstrates the limited aspect of being human I feel like we are chemical reactions that have been just unfolding inevitably since some unknown origin point like I do believe in a lot of the structures that have been that I'm aware of that are discovered by science um, as far as like chemicals and observing observing things in that manner, watching them unfold. Like I believe like an evolutionary standpoint or what? Yeah, I mean in that aspect for sure, but also Well yeah, for sure evolution. <laughs> but I don't I don't think any of it has like a meaning. Like I don't think that it necessarily is like going somewhere. Like yeah. We just experience, we experience time in this one direction. And so for us, it has this like logic and causality that's based in events unfolding like linearly forward. Right. Like people always say everything happens for a reason, but sometimes, but the reason is because of like the things that happened before it. It isn't, the reason is not necessarily the things that happen after it. Like, I, you know, I th- people, people also talk about how like things always work out well, but it really just depends on where you take your measurements because sometimes things work out terribly and you feel horrible about your life but then the cycle changes and it is good and then that's where we take our measurements and say that's like when we say that was the reason or like that's why this stuff happened because right. that's what we want so that we appraise it by the by what we value as good i don't think that there's an objective good or bad i think I mean, that one's not too crazy to believe um do you yeah. think that like so you're saying like uh, everything happens for a reason but it's like the things that led up to that moment. Do you think there are cases where everything happens to a reason so that the fallout could occur? I just think the fallout's a byproduct. I don't think like the, I don't think reason is that important. Yeah. Like we create reason because we, our minds are like information sorting systems that recognize patterns Mm -hmm. and we just sort of understand things by these relationships. And like how we assign meaning to the patterns. Right. And I mean, that's present in everything in like logic and in superstition like people just see things and relate it to what they know and understand or sometimes relating it to knowing that they don't understand 
yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I for sure understand nothing. So yeah, yeah <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, as far as, I don't know, this stuff is always crazy because I just don't. It's hard to talk about like in a way. Anywhere. Yeah, that's well, no, totally for me, for me definitely. Well, it doesn't for me either because like what? How, like how am I going to prove anything about what I like assign my belief systems to or like how I take my measurements there's of just, what's relevant? There's just no, there's no ultimate and no objective. Like uh, not like objective versus subjective, not like purpose, but there is no purpose either. But I don't, I just don't think that there's like, um, except for death. I think that like death is the moment at which our life becomes in our esteem. It becomes like a completed object. Cause I think that essentially we are a physical object that like moves. I mean that we know, but I think like the span of our lives is essentially like a crystal that like begins when you're a baby at one point and then expands and continues to when you die and then it closes out. And Mm -hmm. that's like an object in space that can be like moved around. Mm -hmm. I mean, not by us, but that's sort of one of the things I think about dimensionally. Um, Do you, what are your thoughts on reincarnation? I, I don't know. I don't think consciousness resumes. I think that, I think that, um, the, I don't know. I mean, the parts of our body are broken down and like, put out into like the entropic cycle or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the energy continues like is reused. But I also think that consciousness is not that special. I think that it's just a byproduct of the organism. Like to us, we, we like have all this, you know, we think and we have feelings and we have like attitudes and things like that. But ultimately I just think that like the mind that's operating is just, it's like a cell or like, you know, lichen. It's just the, it's what being that thing is like. So sometimes I feel like I'm sitting in like a ride. Like I'm just watching a thing unfold and happen. In your meat suit? Yeah, pretty much. Like I, you know, I'm thirsty, so I have to drink like my body and everything just sort of directs me. And I don't, yeah, I don't think that we have, I don't think we have free will or really any control you don't think lives. we have free will? No, I think that we're just like, I think that we are a formula or like a specific equation that just sort of like unfolds. Do you think that there's like a, like um, something that's dictating how it unfolds or? Yeah, I mean, it's like the chemical structure. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the chemical structure of our brains and also the circumstances that we exist within. Right. They're, like sort of like, they're like the bumpers. Like our mind is the bowling ball and the, the world is like the bumpers. That's that, direct <laughs> that is a fun <laughs> descriptive way to talk about si- the psyche. Yeah, I don't love <laughs> metaphors because then you start being like, well, then what's the pins and like, what's the whatever, but you know, divorce. Yeah. I like, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> genocide. Uh, no, firstborn. Yeah. I, that, that sort of explains it, but I don't, I don't think that's a good meta. I don't think a bowling alley is the best metaphor for life. I don't know. It smells um, the same. Yeah. You got to rent shoes. <laughs> Nothing's free. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The arcade games don't work. Mm, busted arcade games. Yep. Wings are half off on well, Tuesdays. You were you were brought up very scientifically. You've got like scientific parents. Yeah, and I guess so. Yeah, I was around a lot of academic scientists. Was um, sorry. Go ahead. What did they try to like instill in you any sort of like um, spiritual path or were they pretty much just like, this is science and this is like how the world works? No, my family's not really spiritual. My father for sure isn't. And I don't think my mom has much interest in it. My dad was raised as an atheist or a heathen or whatever. And my mom was raised Catholic and then broke away from that in her like teenage years. Totes. 
For sure. Um, so sure. I was raised with a pretty like, it doesn't matter and you can do whatever you want. Like I remember coming home from school one day and being like, what religion are we? And my mom was like, none. I was like, oh, okay. And then, like, my schoolmates didn't understand that for forever. So I was kind of, I was more of, like, an atheist for a while Uh of being, like, there's no God and, like, all this shit and, like, arguing with people. And I still think that they're all pretty much totally wrong. But now I don't feel compelled to, like, have this specific debate with them about, like, one side versus the other. And it's more, like, questioning now. But, like, why do you think that? And, like, why is that important? Like, why does that have to be like that? And just, like, learning what it is and just finding the point for them. When when they told you that, like, you have no religion and stuff and you were, like, going back with your schoolmates, do you remember how that discussion went or, like, what what your, like, internal thought process was on that? I don't really remember. I do remember there were periods when I really had to argue with people. But I remember when I was in like third grade or something, we had this janitor named Paul Moy who used to like eat with us. He was really, he was just a great guy. I really like admired him in third grade. And he was sitting with us one day and somebody brought it up and talking about how I didn't have religion or something like that. And I remember Paul being like, oh, that doesn't matter. Like, that's fine. Yeah. And that was cool. I always, like that moment really stuck out for me having, because a lot of times it was contentious and then having this person just be like, so. Yeah. Was, that was very useful for me. Do you think it like changed how the kids were treating you based on that afterwards? At that school, yeah. But I went to wait a bunch of schools, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and later on I stopped caring about that stuff. I think I was like pretty atheistically inclined, which to me atheism is like, an intentional it's like a position of denial Mm -hmm. of religion Mm -hmm. and but it it seems to have like its own kind of tenets and like adherences and cliques um and i don't believe that there's a god i don't believe in like a sentient i don't believe in like a sentient spirit like that Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's not a thing for me I, i a long time ago when i was getting more like existentialist or whatever the thinking a lot about this stuff is right for me is uh i just changed the term god to mean like a word for everything all at once so that's how i like generally interpret it and then i try to like have that i try to create that definition with people when we're talking about it when if we have conversations about that it's just a word to mean all of it like all potential infinity all at once that's why i say the universe a lot yeah or i think source. that's one but i think there's more than the universe i think it goes beyond that i think yeah. the universe is only like a bubble within something totally. else. totally i like well i like calling it idea. source because it's like the, how do you pinpoint that yeah you know yeah i think one thing that's strayed me from like isms or groupings of ideologies is having specific, I mean, I have my own vocabularies for this stuff, but having specific like rhetoric because I just think we all understand things differently. Like what a word means to one person means something very different to someone else. And we all kind of are always approximating knowing what the other person is saying. Like in your head, all of the things that I'm saying are bringing out different thoughts and pictures than they would in mine. So the words mean different things to each of us. But don't you think that there can be some cases where people connect and it is like simultaneous or like the things are like, yeah, it's like a shared experience in like some sort of weird, like um, almost like telepathic way or something, or like there's like some sort of just like connect or something that snaps into place. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I absolutely think that that's possible. What's your take on like, um, 
like psychics and stuff. Cause I was like, cause you know, I was like, yeah, like I was feeling you going through shit when we were meditating. Mm-hmm. Like what is you, what's your perspective on that? And please be like, be as honest as you want. Cause I won't be offended. Well, I think that it's very possible to be like sensitive to people, but I don't, nec- I don't really believe in, I don't believe in a lot of the things that I, that are like told about psychics. Like, I don't know. You can, you can read the vibes of things and like, I think energy is definitely a thing um, or like being sensitive to it. And there are so many more things than just words, mm-hmm. obviously like right. little subtleties of body language and things. So I think it's very possible to be sensitive to other people. Like I've had this dog for like forever. Right. And I know, I know like what he wants at certain times of the day or like if he comes in and makes like a certain type of noise, like I can intuit what it is because I'm just so super used to how he is. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think it's, I think it's sort of like a, I think it's a sensitivity and like a pattern recognition, but I don't necessarily think that people can directly like read others' minds. I think there are ways to manipulate things in pretty magic ways to like implant ideology into people or, just like affect what's going on, like influence. Like a things. psychological manipulation. Yeah, and not just manipulation. I think influence is like a less manipulative version of it. Like, I don't know. It's more like exuding your thing and then letting other people pick it up. Yeah. But <coughs> I mean, if there's an agenda behind it, then I guess that would be considered manipulation. Like if you're doing it with intent. Right, to, like, control or, like, alter a thing specifically. Mm-hmm. I think influence is a bit more passive. I think uh, manipulation is more aggressive. Yeah. But this is, like, a terminology I kind of, like, made or, like, have used for myself because I think that I was on a path towards trying to manipulate things right. earlier on, and then I've switched it to try and be more influential. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever feel like your consciousness is like existing outside of your body though? Cause you've talked about like how you feel detached sometimes. Mm-hmm. And for me, it feels like my consciousness is like operating above my body when I'm like, when I'm having a detachment phase. I've had some experiences that have been pretty intense, but it's hard for me to say because I believe that the brain is a really deep and powerful thing and that like what capacities it has inside of it are really vast. Like I think that, the inside of your head is the closest thing you're going to get to experiencing infinity because it just feels very mm. deep. And so I think that the the ability of the brain to like simulate things or make you feel or just whatever it is, is really intense. Right. Um, I had an experience. I went to Israel last year and I was like thinking about Jesus a bunch. And I went out in the desert and I took acid, of course, and mm. like hung out with all these kids all night. And then I went off by myself at the end of the night And I had this moment where I was like, there was another kid with me because I was doing like, I was being very like magic and like mystic among the group and like Mm -hmm. exuding a ton of influence that was having really cool effects. And I felt so great about it. I went and laid out in the desert a little bit and I was laying and I noticed that I was laying in the position of like Christ on the cross. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I noticed that my mind just clicked and I felt like I blasted out of like, I just went to this really deep, like vast galactic place super far away and I felt that I was like at that moment tethered somewhere else to like the actual body of Jesus Mm -hmm. and and I felt this just immense like universal sorrow it was crazy 
and really profound. And then I like, and then I, I like sobbed and like rose up partway. And then, um, this kid with me put his hand on my leg and I snapped out of it. Um, and that was just wild. And it didn't, having that experience didn't like make me believe that Christ was real or like in the power of these like gods and religions, but it did just give me this, like, it gave me like a moment of this archetype. Mm-hmm. Of, like an understanding. Yeah. Of like feeling it. And to me, the way that it felt was that like my mind had accumulated all of these interpretations of like what that is, that feeling and like that power and those magnitudes. And in that moment, my mind like took me to that place. Okay. And that's how that felt nice. afterwards. Just cool. Okay. Yeah, that one was super intense. That yeah, I mean that sounds intense and fucking cool. So let's wrap up the episode and then we'll do some bonus content for the Patreon page and I'll have you maybe tell me another story from the road. Okay. Um, but yeah, so um, my that's my friend Random. You can see why it was such a fun idea to do do psychedelics with him in the woods. We had so much fun. It was good. We were laughing so hard. What was it? It was in like... Oh, we just compared a gritty watermelon to the beach, but it was perfect. <laughs> if you like experienced that beach and then bit into like a watermelon that was kind of like mushy and just like, eh, like it was, it was equivalent. And then you're talking about... <laughs> Across formats. Peeing watermelon out of your butt. That was you. That was your joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's my joke. Okay. Um, if anyone... Do you want to like leave a trail for people to find you or do you just want to appear mysteriously into their lives yeah well i accidentally deleted both of my instagrams um so uh you can find what i do at randomswebsite.com and if you want to check out my battle rap on the ruin your day channel my name's random it's spelled like the word um yeah that's pretty much it yeah it's a cool it's a cool it's a cool battle rap i recommend checking it out you'll be impressed and i was so fucking surprised like i mean i don't know why anything would surprise me coming from a friend named random but i was like oh shit what do you expect thank you very much for listening to another episode of witch doctorate that was random my wonderful weirdo friend from new orleans who saved my ass when i needed to figure out how to do tarot readings on the street um, the Patreon page is not up yet. Everything takes work and Mars is in retrograde. And if you need to brush up on your astrology, Mars is a planet of action. So we're all feeling a little bit lazy, but that'll be, you know, that'll be over at the end of the month. So maybe we'll all get that energy we've been longing for. I will definitely let you guys know when the page is up, though. And I'm going to have some fun stuff that um, patrons can look at and maybe I have some readings and stuff we'll see it'll be great I'll let you know <laughs> I'll let you know okay you can find me online at reneewattentertainment.com or witchdoctorate.com instagram at rainbow glitter star and for the spellcast at witchdoctorate um, I've also been doing a bunch of really fun radio interviews um, in that air in Phoenix but you can listen to them online it's called the mothership radio show And there's a lot of talk about aliens and astrology. So if you want some extra content from another uh, radio slash podcasting, I don't know, platform, then you can check that out. So I'm going to let you guys go. I love you very much. Class dismissed.